Hey there, it's Sarah Shaw from Entrepreneur, and I am here today with Marcus Lamonis, a star of the TV show The Profit, and we are going to talk to you about a business today. So Marcus, thanks so much for being with me today. Good morning, Sarah. I really appreciate you having me on, and more importantly, I appreciate what you do uh, in helping uh, pe people kind of move their ideas and their business forward. I really I think it's great. Yeah, it's super fun, and I love what you do too. Your show is super fun and uh, really, in really informative. <laughs> so great. Uh, I, I learn so much every time I watch it. Um, well, so let's talk a little bit about that. So you know, going from um, the, the world of camping world and and you know RVs and cars, how did you get going in you know, how did you decide to start investing in different kinds of companies? You know, you're into all kinds of stuff, hair salons and restaurants and different kinds of products and how did you get going in that and, and what sort of led you to start the TV show The Profit? Yeah, you know, I've always invested in different businesses and there's a few industries that I won't invest in. Like I don't invest in technology just because I'm scared of it. I feel like it moves too fast. But part of the reason that I diversify uh, in my investments is so I can learn more. And in some cases, I get a good lesson in why I shouldn't have done it. In other lessons, I learn different things from those businesses that I could take and, and, and use in other businesses. And it sounds odd, but... Um, you know, in every single industry, there's something smart about what that industry does that can be portable to another industry. And so that's, you know, part of why I do it. And I also do it to make money, but, but I also do it to learn. And that's probably the, the thing that's most important to me is learning. Well, I, I, that's definitely something that you, well, one can tell about you when watching the show because you're so interested all the time in, in all the different aspects of what they're doing in their business, whether it's, you know, washing hair and cutting it or how to make, you know, something in the kitchen. And I love that you're just jumping in there. It's one of the things I always tell my clients is you have to know how to do everything in your business. You don't have to end up doing it all yourself, but you can't hire people to do things if you don't know what to tell them their job is. That's right. And, and there may be cases where you do have to do it all, right? I yes. mean, that's, that's the reality of it is that I think you, you've got to be able to be willing to do it all, but you also have to accept the fact that there's going to be moments in time, especially in a downturn in an economy, where you may have oh, to yeah. do it all or you're just starting totally. and you, don't, you have to be the lawyer and the marketing person and the packer of the boxes and all on the same day. Oh, yeah. I've done all that a million times. You see that with all your you see that with the entrepreneurs you work with, right? That they oh, have to do everything. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And then some people, you know, come in and they're like, Hi, I just, you know, starting my business today and I want to hire a PR firm and you're like, Well, let's no, talk no, about no. what PR is no. and you have to yeah. do it yourself and you know because you can't even know if they're doing a good job if you don't know how to do the job. And um, exactly what do you and what would you even be telling them? I mean that's exactly. the crazy thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so when working with um, the companies that you invest with, what do you find like the biggest challenges that you have with physical product-based companies? Well, there's a couple, right? I mean, I think at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the product that they're, they're selling or making um, actually makes sense. And so if you go to a company and you love the people and you think they're very organized and their numbers are right, but they're selling 8-track cassettes, um, it's mm -hmm. probably not going to work out for them. And so I think the biggest challenge is making sure that the product that they have 
is, is relevant and that it's priced to market. I'm a big believer in pricing um, uh, market minus as opposed to cost plus, and I'll explain that real, real briefly. But a lot of times, a lot of people that have tangible goods that they sell try to figure out how much money they want to make. And so they make the product and they add on you know, all the things that go with it and labor, and some of them forget to, but labor and the cost of the goods and everything. And then mm -hmm. they try to market up from there, and then they wonder why it doesn't sell. I'm a big believer that if you're selling a tangible product, you have to understand what the marketplace is doing and who is selling that product already and how you're going to beat them. And so there's only a couple of ways you can beat people, unfortunately. One is by making a product that's better. Two is by making a product that's uh, more reliable or more relevant or has newer technology to it. And three is you've got to make it for less. And so we really always want people to look at the market determine where that retail price point is, and then reverse engineer uh, their costs. And if they find out that they can't get the cost low enough to be able to make enough margin to pay the bills, well, that's a mm -hmm. good reason why not to do it. You can't just say, well, I'll just sell it for more, and I'll give better service, and I'll be nicer to people. Unfortunately, the way that the consumer moves, they move so fast, and they have such little time that you may never get that chance. Right. By the way, you, you should give great service regardless, but you may sure. never get that chance, and that's the challenge. Yeah, especially today with when people are in, uh, you know, in a store on their phone checking the price on Amazon or you know, 22 other places that they buy things to to see who has the best price. It makes exactly. the competition really, really swift these days. Well, so, so when, um, when you're looking at companies that you invest in, like, what do you find are the biggest red flags? Like what? What screams out to you? The people. No. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, really does come down to the people. I'll take a chance on good people, no matter what business they're in, if I really like them and I think that there's a good solution. Because this sounds odd, but if I like the people that I'm working with, and for some reason the business model that we're working on doesn't work out in the end, they're still good people, and they may land somewhere else in the organization. And so it's a little like a form of recruiting at the same time, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. for example, I invested in hair salons in Long Island, and the woman's work mm -hmm. ethic was so unbelievable. If for some crazy reason at the end of the day the salons didn't work out, I felt like she was capable of working in any business. Sure. And so any time you can work with good people, they can reinvent themselves or you can reinvent the business with them. Um, and so that, that's usually my, my very kind of – that's kind of my secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Um, yeah, because once somebody once somebody can show you that they can do what it takes to make a business work, you can't always 100% predict whether the business is going to be exactly. successful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so speaking of that, I noticed I was actually watching one of your shows last night on this Shuler Barbecue. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I loved it. And um, and so I noticed, you know, that well, of course. Just because I'm in the same business, I immediately predicted while you were making the biscuits, I was like, he's going to take those to market. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, so I noticed that in a lot of your shows that you like to find something that you can take national, you know, from a, a, from a particular storefront. And how do you decide, like, you know, well, first of all, it seems like you really like to do that because it gives you national exposure and an opportunity to make more money. Um, and get the company more exposure. But how do you figure out like what item is going to be sort of their, their secret sauce and be their cash cow? 
Well, it typically revolves around what I think is relevant, right? And so we know that we know that the consumer in a very small focus group is telling us that her biscuits are amazing, right? And so I know that there's not an issue with the product itself. So I kind of check that box. The second thing that you have to figure out is how do you scale something like that in a very competitive market? And so I, I, I oftentimes use the fact that I know I can leverage my relationships with retailers to at least get a chance at it. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to work. I'll use an example. I did a, a deal with um, uh, a gym in, in Dyer, Indiana, and we launched a, a, a healthy a bar called the Profit Bar. Um, and we put it in GNC, and it was a great, you know, we put it in all the stores. And in some markets it's done well, and in some markets it's done terrible. Okay. And so there's no guarantee that it's always going to work. And I think the reality of it is, is that you at least have to take a chance. You have sure. to try, and, and uh, you have to go in knowing, especially for you know, the people that you, you coach, that not everything's going to work, and that's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. It's, uh, unfortunately, I think people would be shocked uh, if you told them what the success rate was, right? The success rate's <laughs> probably less than 20% in terms oh, of how, yeah. many, how many ideas work and how many don't, maybe even smaller than that. I think smaller, yeah. And that shocks people. Um, right. But it shouldn't get you to stop trying because if you are in that 15 to 10% of things that work, boy, it, it works and it works big, right? It works totally. And it works big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But well, so when you're working with, uh, it, it totally <laughs> it can really be a struggle. I mean, physical product-based companies are like a whole different animal. You know, people always say, well, it doesn't seem that hard. You know, you just design something and get someone to make it for you. And I was like, is that what you think about your car engine? <laughs> yeah. To me, I, you know, I and, it, and you know, it's just honestly not, not that simple, you know? Right. Um, yeah. It's just not that simple. It really yeah. isn't. Yeah. I mean, most people just think, you know, they go to wherever and buy a pair of jeans and think it's just, you know, two pieces of fabric cut and sewn together, and they don't understand, you know, the three months of process that it got to be that jean. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's yeah. a great way to think about it. And, it yeah. and it's not just that. It's all the parts and pieces from finding the manufacturer to being able to figure out if they're the right manufacturer to comparing them against another manufacturer to then designing the product to ensuring that they're going to execute to making sure that the price is right to then finding a retailer or an online provider that wants to carry it and then they have to approve the manufacturer. I mean, it just goes on and on. I, it, I know, it feels like it's never ending. It goes on and on. It, yeah, and then, of course, there's the it's not working later and I have to find someone new, um, which is always not so fun. Um, well, so when you invest in companies and work with different companies, how much actual time do you put in to, to the company? You know, because obviously on the show, it just looks like it's, you know, a few weeks or something like that, and I know that that's not yeah, the case. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, um you know, so so overall, I mean, are you really on on like on top of things all the time, or is it like a weekly check-in, or you know, or does it vary based on different companies? I'll be honest with you, I it's it's worked out to be way more than I ever thought it was going to be. Um, sure. It's it's quite quite frankly, it's somewhat shocking. Um, but I spend a lot of my time now. There, it's kind of the eighty twenty rule, right? There are some businesses that I don't have to deal with it at all. Um, you know, I, I talk to them once a week, and you know we're totally good. There are some businesses, unfortunately, uh, where I have to talk to them every day. Sure. Um, and that that obviously is a is a big deal. Um, yeah. And it's tough. Very tough. Yeah. 
Do you um, do you ever do like group conversations or group retreats for your for your? You know, it's funny that you say that. I've always thought about it, but they're all so very different, and I manage them all so very differently. And the relationships I have with them are different, and the economic structures I have with them are different. That I know that they talk on their own, but they're all so different. I said that like 20 times that I don't know if, and they're all from different industries, that I don't know if I'll be doing that anytime soon because – you know, it takes a good solid year, maybe a little more, to figure out if that business is ultimately going to make the cut mm-hmm. and if the people that work there are going to make the cut. And so you want time to pass where they kind of get their fears out of the way and they get their stuff in order. And I think maybe down the road you'd get them together to share fears and, and positives and negatives and how we can improve the process. and. All of, and I don't mean in their business. I mean in the interaction between me, me and my team and them, right? Sure. Um, and so it's uh, it's something that I spend time thinking about, but it's also expensive, and I'm probably too cheap to do it right now. <laughs> really cheap like about your, that. I like hearing you say that. <laughs> really cheap. Well, I mean, about I I stuff. totally respect you know when when you're you know obviously everybody knows you're famous phrase, you know, I'm 100% in charge. And I, and I love hearing you say that. I mean, I, you know, obviously my clients and people that I work with are on a much smaller scale. And uh, a lot of them right now, some of them are, are doing really well. But I always say to them, while we're working together, you have to run everything by me. You can't spend a dime of money without asking me first, you know, and some of them are like, really? I'm like, well, you know, if you want to save money and make more money, I'm going to probably have a better idea for you. So yeah, I totally it's probably going to be the, that. I'm a big believer in kind of locking things down and tying them up so tight that, that, that there's, there's no risk. And I think that's a good yeah. discipline for people. Yeah, I totally agree. So do you, um, do you help your um, clients come up with new ideas and expand their product base or you know are you involved in that or do you sort of let them come to you I would say no I would say I would do more than help I would say that I drive I drive Mm. that process uh, totally for them and so I'm working on a a cosmetics company in Kansas City right now and we're relaunching the whole line and the packaging is changing and we're kind of creating a hub-and-spoke model all based on one ingredient and uh, no, I drive that process, and usually they're resistant to it, and so I have to, I have to unfortunately do a more than a little bit more than drive. Um, it's, yes, it's usually it's, pretty intense. It's intense, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, really intense. <laughs> yeah, and do you guys do you keep everything in house with your brands, or do you guys attend trade shows if it's relevant? Oh no, we always we 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 attend trade shows and. Um, uh, I use outside, you know, service providers when I need to, and and outside co-packers if I need to, and and really just try to do what's right for that specific business, you know. And I think at the end of the day, that's the part. There is no sort of textbook that says on page 12 you'll know what to do. You really have to take it on a case by case basis, and and um, and there's a lot of factors that go in. I think that that one of the struggles that I have. Uh, one of the frustrations that I have and one of the reasons that I do the show is that I want people to understand that there isn't always a, like a like a magic bullet to solve mm-hmm. every problem. There isn't like something like, aha, this is an Oprah, right, where there's some aha moment. There really is there really is a different scenario for each company, and I want people to think about going into a business, whether it's their own or someone else's, 
and looking at it without blinders, without rose-colored glasses, and without any sort of predisposed kind of notion of what you think it's supposed to be, and ask a lot of questions. Write them down, think about them, challenge them, push people, get the right answers, get the truth, and then, then somewhat collaboratively formulate some ideas. But the problem with fixing businesses and why it's tough to be a consultant, I have a lot of, a lot of um, respect for people who go in and try to do it, is that when you don't put money on the table like I do and you don't write a check, it's very difficult to influence change because people could be like, that's a great idea, but I don't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. exactly. And so in my case, the reason that change happens is because I say, yeah, that's a good idea and we're going to do it. Well, I don't right. want to do it. Well, too bad. Um, yeah. We're doing that. And right, so, because I'm 100% in charge. Yeah, yeah. And right. so it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I recently invested in a business off the show, uh, and they, they were – they always did tell me, we love the show, we get it, you're 100% in charge. I made a deal with them, and then they were like, oh, we don't want to do that. I'm like, well, that's not how it works. They're like, well, we're not in favor of that. I said, I don't really care. That's not how this works. They said, well, we know you do that on the show, but what about real life? I said, the show is real life. Like, right, those, are yeah. real, those are real deals. Like, that really happens. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to watch the show until it's you on right. the other side. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's not so fun anymore. It's right. Not so fun. Yeah, that's funny. Do you in, do you invest in a lot of um, businesses off the show? I do, not as much as I used to, just because I have a finite amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but at the end of the day, I do um, because I really feel like um, you know it, it, I have to obviously keep my mind moving and keep things learning. And the biggest frustration and the biggest probably sadness that I have about the whole show is that I get so many people, emails, Facebook, Twitter, all the stuff, uh, asking for help, and I just can't help everybody. Right, um, of course. And you, you, you do kind of scratch your head and say, you know, like, who do I help and who do I not help? And, and uh, I always wonder, like, I go to bed at night thinking, God, did I pick the wrong person? Did I miss out on somebody? And I know it's like it, it, most people would laugh when I say that, but it's like it really makes me crazy because I wonder, like, I, I did, I, did, I miss, did I miss the opportunity of a lifetime or did I miss somebody that really, really needed it? Yeah. It's really hard. Um. I can totally imagine that. I mean, I, I get a few emails a day from people asking, you know, a lot of high school kids or college kids, you know, I'm starting yeah. a business and I want to know this. And I, you know, I usually take that aside an hour or two a week and try to just answer all of those emails. And, it's, you know, sometimes I want to cry right. <laughs> and say, I wish I could just give you a whole pro bono program. <laughs> I, but I can't. Yeah, right, I but I can't. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's amazing to be able to help whoever you can. I mean, or give one piece of advice and change somebody's life, you know, because that can happen. Right. Um, sometimes it's just one sentence. Um, so I want to ask you one more question, and I know you're on a tight schedule. So when, when you're working, you know, with the whole I'm 100% in charge thing, so when you're working with these companies, how do you, like, what's the process that you have to go through to kind of get them to see what's not working and sort of get them to, you know, jump on board to the you're in charge so I have this whole strategy about how I interact with people in business, and it usually starts out with me. It's all based on vulnerability. And I usually will go in in the first couple of days just be a good listener, tell them about my failures and things that I've made mistakes on, and try to cre create some sort of connection 
where people have some level of trust and understanding and they kind of get it. They feel like they're on the same wavelength with you. I think the second thing that I do is try to outline for them without them realizing it what they don't like about their business. And oftentimes, um, really have them feel like it's their idea. Um, and then the third is, if both of those are unsuccessful and we've made a deal, then I shove it through as hard as I can. And I always tell people that sometimes the change with me is like, you know, getting surgery on your body without any anesthesia. It's, mm. it's really, really going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. But at the end of the day, you're going to be able to walk and you're going to be right. able to move around. And so you, you can choose to take either path, but we're going to change one way or the other. Um, and sometimes I lose the business owner and they don't want to be there anymore. And sometimes I end up having to take them out. And sometimes, you know, employees rise to the occasion and the real leaders show up. And I think at the end of the day, I think you have to really know that, that people um, are still human and you want to treat them with respect. And so in all cases, and I think you've probably seen this on the show, I'm still very polite to people. Um, even when they steal or lie or cheat from me, I'm still oddly polite. In fact, it frustrates my friends that I would let people get away with it. And I always tell them, I didn't let them get away with it. They know it. I caught them. But what am I going to do? I mean, there's good people and there's bad people in the world. And I think ultimately my goal on the show is to have people not only to make, for me to make money and for me to help these businesses, but for people to watch and really feel like it's possible there's possibilities, there's some hope, there's some opportunity, and if I just can get my head out of my fanny, I'm going to be okay. And that's, that's part of why I do the show is because I want people to be inspired. And, you know, when the show first started on CNBC, you know, CNBC didn't have much programming at night. Like, I don't even think people went there. And even today, you don't think about going to watch TV there. But, but the show has had a bit of a groundswell. It's kind of shocked me. Um, you know, whether it's online or on social media or, or wherever it may be, it's, it's become more popular than I ever thought it was going to be, which has its pluses and minuses. The minuses are is that it puts a lot of pressure. You know, when I didn't think people watched it, I kind of was like, ah, whatever. I still am like that, but it's, it's hard because you know that you have seven, eight, nine-year-olds watching and you want them to walk away with some lesson, and that's, that's kind of the ultimate goal for me. Marcus, thank you so much for your generosity and the time you spent here with us today. I really appreciate it, and I know my listeners do too. So we're really looking forward to seeing your next season, and we'll see you on TV. Bye.